Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Peacock Streaming, the biggest sports and live events on the planet. From Super Bowl 56. What a game this is. To complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. Streaming every event, every day. It's all the unprecedented. United States wins gold. Unstoppable. Sensational. Unbelievable. Sports to love. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Good evening and welcome to a Friday night edition of the On The Whistle Arsenal Opinion Podcast. Once again, I'm here depressed. I'm joined by uh, three three guests. Uh, welcome back, Johnny. How you doing, man? You all right? Uh, it's a low energy. Um, no, if, if you want anything else from me, I, 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 I'm sorry, I haven't got it for you. It's this is going to be an eventful pod. I can feel it already. But listen, there's no bells and whistles to start me off. All right, hello everyone. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be a the, the match has been lit, but it's going to be a slow fuse. Um, Matt, uh, you know you don't often ring me at halftime, but you rang me at halftime disgusted, bottle in hand. I'm imagining that you're not feeling great right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's five PM here. I'm on my third drink, uh, which is always nice. a, always a always a worrying sign. But yeah, not. Uh, I mean, it's all. It feels like we've been here before. So um, we we often have talked about the worst emotion as a football fan isn't despair. It's just apathy, and uh, I feel like um, apathy is the dominant emotion with this Arsenal t- Arsenal team right now and everything around the club. And uh, finally, uh, I welcome a new guest to the show, uh, Jay Haynes. Welcome to the Arsenal Opinion. Um, Thank you very I'm, much. I'd love you to uh, to tell us your Arsenal credentials. Um, yeah, by all means. Uh, like Matt, I'm a New Yorker, um, but that still doesn't mean Arsenal can't ruin every weekend that I have, despite being 6,000 miles away. Um, prior to that, I started going at seven. I remember my first game was 5-0 against Norwich back in 1982. Uh, I don't know. Went every game, uh, every certainly every home game for until I came to New York in 2012. So fortunate to have spent a lot of time with the club, uh, a lot of good, but certainly recently a lot of bad too. Um, and it's it's it's, it's, a, it's something I'll never be able to give up. And sometimes I wish I could, like today, for example. Yeah, and I'm I'm sorry I have to watch <laughs> you under such drab circumstances. Drab, the worst. <laughs> yeah. 
Absolutely <laughs> disgusting. No. So there's there's obviously a lot going on with Arsenal uh, today. We thought, uh, do we talk about the protests first? Do we talk about the nonsense that went on um, this week? Or do we just get the get get the really bad stuff out of the way first? Yeah. So we're going to start with the game. So Jay, I'm going to I'm going to hand over to you. Give us your hot take on what you saw at Everton. Uh, it was it was what we've seen all season. It was no matter the opposition, we are our, we are our own best opposition. We kill ourselves every single game with an act of stupidity of indifference, uh, sending off a terrible mistake every single game. And the, the, the quality of the league now, if you make a mistake, you're dead. So, um, and that was a terrible, ter- as, as our mistakes go, that was one of our better ones. Actually, we outdid ourselves today, but it was Arsenal against, Ars- it was Arsenal, against Arsenal again, uh, shooting ourselves in the foot, making things unbelievably difficult for ourselves. But more than that, what I'm beginning to struggle with, and I'm really interested in your point of view, is I'm not sure I know what. Artist is trying to do. I'm not sure I know what trying to football he's trying to play. And I'm not sure I really get it at the moment. I was, I was chatting to my dad during the game and I'm not sure I get it. What's he trying to do? Yeah, I know. it's getting um it's getting difficult because you know, like he, he's it's it's a little bit of everything. Like uh we spoke on the last podcast and it was like you're either in the league or you're out the league. And he does these yeah. sort of half and halves where it's yeah. like well, I, I, now you're giving us no way out. You put your best players out there and we still turn that out. So um, I've got no idea what's going on there. But Johnny, um, <laughs> you're, look, you're looking like you need to pick me up. I need to like check in. Are you okay? Because your face is not, is, is, is not telling a good story right now. So I want to make sure you're all right. So I'm going to go to you second. What's the, the hot or the cold take? Um, yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> if you're coming to me for some cheery little uh, take uh, on today's game, you, you, you're going to be sorely disappointed. I'm getting to the stage now where, you know, this is why, and I've been quite consistent on this pod, haven't I? I've said this is my um, metrics for success. This is what I'm measuring Arteta against. And, and the reason why I think it's so important to do that and that is specifically, for those that might not know, I basically think Arteta needs to win the Europa League or I think we should be looking at someone else. It's getting more and more abundantly clear now because when you watch a game like this, I mean, let me let me just get one little caveat that was one little point and that is that I thought, and I hate doing this because I really don't go down this route about we were robbed and stuff, but the penalty with the Pepe, I mean, it's just getting bizarre now. Like, what the heck, that... Like, I don't care. I don't mind these millimetre decisions and stuff. But that was full on going from the wrong place. You're measuring from halfway. You know, you're not measuring from the right places. So you've given us a bogus thing. The only thing I could say is at least we now know what our punishment for the European Super League is. You know, <laughs> it's going to never get a VAR decision ever again. <laughs> that's, that's it. I mean, they've just changed their metrics for VAR judgments on Arsenal. They, we just know that now. So... Any 50-50. And Richarlison was... Yeah. Well, he went. That was less of a... That was more offside than what Pepe's was. Yeah. But there you go. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say on it. Because I think when you start going down these routes, you start to um, make too much of an excuse for the absolute dross that was on the field. Now, Eddie Nketiah is such um, an exceptionally ordinary football player. <laughs> <laughs> Like, those two words are, are, are yeah. quite bizarre when you throw them together, but Eddie and Kenny are his dad. I, I described him in my Arsenal group as, like, in terms, if he was an ice cream flavour, he would be low-fat low vanilla. You know, yeah. you just think, I don't even know why I'd bother. You know, it's, there's nothing spectacular about it. And I don't... 
But at the end of the day, I don't care. I don't know what Martinelli has done to Arteta. I just don't. I don't know what he's. Has he been kicking wing mirrors off his car, <laughs> having a shit and sticking it through his letterbox? What's going on? Like at least Martinelli, which we even saw at the end there. And I'm not saying he's the absolute proven hundred percent he's going to make it, but he has danger in him. That is what he can produce. And Ketia just it, he, he's a. A Queen's Park Rangers kind of player. That's what you need to go, mate. It's yeah. this is, We've seen it. We've seen it. Just stop it now. And at the end of the day, we're, we're going up against the Everton team. And I, I felt like we were going to lose. And quite frankly, it just felt like we were just going to huff and puff. Unless we got a, a penalty, we were just never going to score. It was just one of those games. And um, yeah. unfortunately, we've just seen far, far too many of these now. Um, and you've got to start laying this at the, you know, at the manager's door. I, I, I know there's been injuries, but you've got to be able to get your team up to perform better than this. And if you can't, I'm sorry, but he really, really is now. In a, unless you win the cup, I think you know we're we're going to get onto the rest of the stuff anyway. But I think there needs to be a lot of change in this club, and it absolutely should not be stopping. Um, before we get to the changing of manager as well, because I think that is starting to look like an imperative uh, situation. Matt Candela, you're smiling. I'm assuming that you've got a positive thing to say about that game today. Share us. <laughs> Be the anecdote to this 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 upset this upset conversation. This bad group therapy session. He's going to pull us out. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, if, I don't think there's, it, it's pretty impossible to be optimistic about what we just saw. It's, it just feels like. Does like, anyone just feel like this is like the longest season ever? That we're just all yeah. desperate, desperate to get it over with and move on. And if there was just a way, as fast forwarding and just playing the semi-finals and the final of the Europa in the next couple of weeks, we would all just love that. We could just play them, play the semi-finals in a, a few days apart, play the final a few days later, because that's where we that's where we've now got to. The season is over. The season is dead. There's nothing positive to look forward to. I mean, I think it's scary because. We, we talked about this a few times and it's Arteta has to realize that these defeats are really, really worsening his position. And one of the things that he talked about was non-negotiables. That was, that was, that was the language that he used. Um, but this is, this doesn't feel like that because a non-negotiable means it doesn't matter whether you're playing in training or in a league cup or the first team or a reserve team, you know, you have to deliver. And it just feels like the standards have dropped and there's nothing interesting happening on the pitch. We're now just waiting for the semifinals. He's, his eggs are so firmly in that basket. Yeah. And, you know, it's, 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 it's scary because, um, well, I mean, I'm scared for him because even if, I mean, even if we don't win the Europa, um, and, and now the end of the season is so bad that even if he does win the Europa, if we're a couple of games into next season and we lose and fans are in the stadium and we lose our second game or our third game, the pressure is just heaps right back on it. And, you know, there doesn't appear to be many patterns of interesting play to relate to. You know, at the end of last season, there was that. He was sort of playing these, we were playing these new patterns of play. We were playing out the back. We were doing that thing where we like, Played it out, and then we did the crossfield board, and then Aubameyang, was, and it was like, oh, these are, this is sort of interesting. You could yeah. see, but yeah. like Jay said, it's it's. I mean, what, what are we what are we looking at? You know? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go against all three of you. Two of you. <laughs> I don't I can't even count because I'm. Um, I'm gonna go against all three of you. I I, I think the. 
I think that if you watch that game back without the doom of the week and the result, I, I, I don't agree that there was nothing interesting out there. I thought our, um, I thought the way that we transitioned from defense to, into attack was good. I thought there was a lot more verticality in our passing today. Um, I think we control possession against a difficult team with our, a lot of our key players. But the big thing that missed, like it, we were toothless. Um, again, like, you know, 14 yeah. shots, like three on target all game. And the, there's, um, I think Johnny said it the other week. He said, I like my managers lucky. Um, what has what has been a, a consistent theme for Mikel Arteta, apart from the FA Cup last season, is he's actually a really unlucky manager. Agree, agree. Yeah. Always, there's always a problem. And like off the pitch is bad enough. Like he's dealing with a lot of issues, but it's like after a while, being an unlucky manager is just your style. And that's my concern. Mm. That um like the the burnt Leno mistake today was fucking horrendous. Like that was uh, like you don't expect that of a, the, the ball wasn't going at the goal. He actually turned it into his own net, which is like a special kind of mistake for a a, a man that's played a, 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 a international level. The offside, I mean the just just as a basic level if um like like Hawkeye in tennis, you decide whether it is in or out and it's the same view every single time. And yeah. in football you're deciding whether Pepe's offside from one angle and then there's an even sharper angle. They're using like Microsoft Paint tools and they're deciding it by pixels. It's not a fair way to analyze. If you're going to analyze offside over the top, let's get something more scientific than VAR. But outside that... Can I add one thing on that? Just on the the, the offside. It was 15 seconds between the offside and the penalty incident. Yeah. That is a heck of a long time to pull. How long do you pull the game back? It's 15 seconds. You know, it should be three or four seconds, but the, the, the last phase of play was 15 seconds from the offside. Play, 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 and then the penalty incident. It's, 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 it's obscene, and it feels like uh, there's a new special, uh, yeah. a special rule written for us every time. But the... The thing that you there there are a couple of things that you can't escape. Like I I, I thought that if you if you put Obama Yang in that system today, then it's probably uh, it, it's probably a different result. But he didn't. He put he put Eddie Nketiah in there. Eddie Nketiah is not the future of Arsenal. He's got one year left on his deal. He's going to go this Sell summer. Him. We Sell shot him. We, we shot windowed him, which was on Arteta, and that shot windowing costs Arteta next season because now Arteta is in Emery territory. Like he'll get into next season, but as soon as two or three things go wrong, he's in trouble. The other end of the pitch, and I, 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 I don't want to be a hindsight merchant, but I'm going to be. We all liked the other goalkeeper. We liked Demi Martinez, right? He was dominant in his area. He was better with his feet. He was a better shop stopper. He was a bigger guy, and he was in the form of his life. And we got rid of him. So it's he was like a better keeper, and yeah. everyone knew it. You know, I mean, anyone who had eyes knew it, Pete. So yeah. it's not. It's not like kind of, uh, again, like when we talk about hot takes, you, it's, it's not an outrageous take here. Everyone knew that Martinez was better. And and, and, and sorry, I don't want to jump in when you're... Um, hot taken. Just, just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't want to take any... If anything, I want to increase your heat. <laughs> um, but, you know, when you talk about potential unluckiness uh, of Arteta, you also have to look at the way you contribute. When, when we use this adage about making your own luck, you know, you go, oh, you got unlucky with a goalkeeper like Leno. Well, no, you sold your best keeper. That is you. You made the decision yes. and you sold your best keeper. And let's have a look at what Martinez has done this season. He's been absolutely outstanding. Probably the, the best of the season, goalkeeper yeah. in the league. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, 
Sorry, Pete. I just want to. No, no, to... but unless unless that's the thing, it's it's um it's difficult to say. Well, he got unlucky when you made a decision that that put him there, and it's it's really starting to cost him. And now we're in this terrible situation where we we signed Runison, who was an absolute disaster. <laughs> I was getting text yeah. messages from people around, you know, at, at Arsenal early days saying this new goalkeeper is a disaster, and then we've. I don't think Matt Ryan is at that level of um, disasterness. Disasterness, but he was let go by Brighton, right? There's, it's not like there's, a, there's an immediate plug that's going to fix it. But Leno now seems uh, in a bad situation, and I just want to be uh, a, a dickhead fan for just one second. And you forgive me, and you can all stand me down. Uh, Granite Xhaka at the end of the game, the camera pans away, and he's smiling. And he's hugging and he's making conversations. And I know it's a small thing. And I know it's not important. And I know Granite Xhaka has been a good player this season. But he was he was problematic in the build-up. He's not a left-back. He's made an error. His team's lost again at home. And it's just like the big beaming smiles. And it's the disconnect. Go and smile in the, in the tunnel yeah. after. It's just those little small things that you wouldn't get in a team of 20 years ago. So we're like, yeah. I don't think you can, you know, the season is now on the Europa but the problem now is if if we win the Europa, there's not enough of a story in the Premier League to be comfortable going into next season with Arteta. And now it means he's got to have, you know, he's got to have like a, a perfect scorecard next season. And I think that's going to be really, really difficult. I, I'm not think- so sure. I'm not so sure. Sorry, I'll just come back because this is kind of, you know, in my territory of, of my criteria. And at, at the end of the day, if you if you if you roll up, this is what I'm saying to you. I will write Arteta a script for him. Okay, if he wins the Europa League, and people start coming after him next season, chatting that you know, oh yeah, you know, we didn't look great towards the end of the last season. This is what I wanted. I was here for six months. I won the FA Cup. I was here for eighteen months. I won the Europa League. Shut the fuck up. Everyone, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Okay, first European <laughs> trophy since 1994. Who wants what? And that's it. That's all he needs to say. And people are going to start backing up from him. Because at the end of the day, we've had a lot of people. I had Arsene Wenger in the UEFA final, bottled it, didn't get the job done. Champions League final, didn't get the job done. We've been there and not got over it. So this is why I'm saying, if you can get us over the line, I'll square the rest away. But if you don't get us over the line... I'm not on board with you guys, by the way, when you start saying about, yeah, Arteta's going to get next year. And no, 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 no. If you don't win the Europa League, get out of the club. I, I actually, it's, it's got to the stage now where I'm, I want him gone in this summer. I want him gone this summer. I want to start a new project if we don't win Europa because I've seen enough personally. That's where I'm getting. Unless you're a lucky manager, a winner manager, I've seen enough from what I'm seeing where I actually am like, I, I don't think I want this guy here anymore. He, he worries me with a lot of stuff that he says and does. And I don't really want to just be reacting after a really dismal game. But the fact is, this game is not in isolation. It feels like I've seen this five or six times in the last three months. And I, <laughs> it's starting to get hard to watch this stuff. So for me, win, win the Europa and I'm going to be backing him against anyone who wants to, anyone who wants to talk about it. But if he doesn't... <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm I'm going to be on this pod talking about. I think we need to change the manager as well as a lot of other people at the club <laughs> need to go. Jay, yeah. Jay, if if Arteta wins the Europa League, what are your tweets going to say when he has a couple of bad games <laughs> next season? <laughs> I, 
You're right. If he wins Europa, he has to stay. No doubt about that. Because he's a very inexpensive manager. He costs next to nothing. You look at what Marino's earning a year. You know, he breaks 15 million a year. Arteta's probably making a million a year. So, you know, so he's, he's, he's very good value as it stands, especially if he, win, if he wins the cup. But I agree, if he doesn't win it, we've got big problems. I, I'm not sure we've got the players either. You know, I think we're, you know, the, 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 the business man this summer, regardless of the outcome, has got to be Edu, right? He's got to sell the players they're not going to play. Make it, there's $100 million, $100 million pound of players there in, in Ketia, Nelson, Willock, yeah. you know, Maitland-Niles. Sell them. If you're not going to fucking... Play them, sell them, take a hundred million and get going. But Edu's is going to be the busy. He's, he should be dreading his summer. He's got so much to do this summer. He's, he's going to be busy every day. He's got so much dead wood to flog. There's no point keeping any of those players around. They're all done. They're busted flush. They've had enough showtime. They're not going to make it. They've got to go. And, and uh, you know, I tell has got to tell Edu to go and get that done if he remains in his seat, which he may not. I think if he loses in the semi-final, United are going to beat us anyway in the final. I don't see how we have anything in the locker at the moment to beat United in the final of a, of a, of a, of a big final. Um, they look so flat. And I'm not sure any of the injuries today would have changed the outcome. You know, we were so flat. I mean, you know, it's, maybe Tierney changes the outcome because he no, Richarlison doesn't go past Tierney there. Shaka dies in. Richarlison, I thought, was great all game. We, have, we don't have that physicality up front either. We need a bigger centre forward. I mean, and Ketty was a particularly highlighted example today because he's like, he's, cause he's absolutely, he's like eight stone. So you, know, you see, you know, you see Calvert Lewin and and you know, Charleston there. They were they were dominant all the time. We got I feel like we're so weak. No power I, on the side. A lot of work to do. Yeah, I've got to say, Jay, I, I, I think that's such a uh, such a good point. Um, I like I, I didn't think the performance was as bad as as you're all saying, but what you did notice is the lack of power. Like Everton just had big players, Calvert Lewis. Every fifty fifty they won. Player. Every fifty fifty. Yeah, Richardson is um is a scary guy. The shoulders he's all and yeah. muscle and his power yeah. pace. I mean, to be honest, Chaka did a pretty good job against him, considering the lack of mobility he's got. Um, yeah. But Matt, I want to I want to hand over to you, like uh, the. What's like? What's your thoughts? Like, I mean, you started this on the um, on the success. Like, explain a little bit more, like how you're how you'd be feeling if if he wins the Europa but tanks the end of this season. Look, I think if he wins the Europa, then job done. We're back in the Champions League, and I'm probably I, I, he was I, always I, the I, one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've I look. I'm one of the few people who was excited about the Super League. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you are. You got that coming. You got that yeah, coming. Yeah, let's oh. not get too ahead of ourselves. We got, yeah. we got no, a lot right, of time right, for that, Matt. But, but the reason for that was not because of my moral compass, but was because I was desperate to see Arsenal playing big European games again and securing the future of the club. And, uh, and so if Arteta gets us in the Champions League, then... Oh my God, we owe him big time because it doesn't matter how you get in there. It means it means we we basically just squeezed in and we're back as a club and we can start building towards a better future. It doesn't matter how you did it. And if you if you do it by winning a cup, then you then you deserve it, right? Um, so, but I think the more worrying thing is, you know, I think we talk a lot on this podcast about like having a good narrative. And maybe we take that from outside of football where we think it's important in, in the world of business and those sorts of things. But, you know, earlier on, a few weeks ago, Pete was talking up this narrative. He was saying, which I, I was buying into, it was, you know, since Chelsea on the 29th of December 
we, we it, it's gone uh, it's gone sort of slowly downhill. At one point, it was we'd been like the second best team in the league. Then it was the third. Then it was the fourth. But now, you know, that narrative of, you know, the season divides in two and we've had a really strong second half and we should be pleased that once we figured out Odegaard and, and Smith Rowe and we moved to this more expansive game, we've been a really exciting team. But the danger of these results now is that we've, we've lost that. He's lost that narrative. The narrative is, is all, all but gone. You know, it hasn't been a game, a season of two, two halves. It's been one really, really painful season with a few nice games at the turn of the year. That's the new narrative. And yeah. so um, when that narrative is gone, it means, you know, that, 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 that's going to really, really hurt Arteta's long-term um, prospects because it's just not as clean. Like the previous narrative, you know, it was, it was, it was clean. And now it's, it's not so good to say, you know, since the t- before the turn of the year, we, had a, we were a disaster and we were 15th. And then since the turn of the year, we've been slightly improved in a 10th. You know, that's not the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would be worth that. Do you know, we, do you know, we have not scored in 50% of our Premier League home games. You know, I got sent this via WhatsApp, right? So, I, I, I you know, I don't know if this is... I'm just, I'm just <laughs> not being, it's not being fact-checked and we can't afford <laughs> yeah, a fact-checker like, on I, this show. You know, <laughs> we can't afford to do that. <laughs> there's, there's no producer there, but... Um, you know, it's talking about home games this season, Premier League, I presume, for that matter. 13 games, zero wins, nine losses, four goals. That is... that. I mean, what are we talking about here? Like, have we not won at home this season in the Premier League? Is that... Is that no, that can't no, be right. No, no, that can't no, be we've right. Beat, we, we, yeah, we've beaten Chelsea. Oh, we've we beat beaten, Chelsea, yeah. And we, yeah. Beat, and, we, and we beat West Ham. So we've won a couple yeah. of games. But, I mean, the fact that we have to... We need a... Certified fact checker to tell us that tell us we've won a game this season is also a, a, a sign of how far we've fallen. But uh, but yeah. hey, I'm going I'm to put this out there. I'm going to put this out there. Um, Alex Ferguson finished 13th. Okay, okay. When they won the, the FA the Cup, banter, yeah. and the fans were get <laughs> out, you're rubbish, you don't know what you're doing, and then uh, the rest oh, was history. Yeah. So Fair point. and that. There, there are uh, there are not signs there at the moment that we're on that path. <laughs> I've got to admit, I don't like it. It's um, but y- you know, uh, it's what manager do you? I th- so here's the thing: we are at a stage now where it's like we'll put any other manager in there because it's gonna, you know, ninth or seventh. Uh, who cares? But I think this has been an exceedingly terrible season for everyone, and I think the Arsenal punched themselves in the face consistently. Um, whether it's squad selection, whether it's signing old players, whether it's the coup that went off um, at Christmas, whether it was the coup that went off at the um, with the Super League. But I, I think that if we have a good summer and like when, you know, when he, we injected the correct players into the system, the system got better. And I think if he has a good summer and we rip out some of those, those, those other players, if we put better better names into that system, get more penetration. The under 21 players will pick up. There's a hope that it could come good. And if we win the Europa League, winning breeds winning, right? And mm-hmm. part of this dead this dead zone of the season is when this squad has nothing to play for, they don't play, right? It happened after, you know, when we got into the FA Cup final last season and we lost to Aston Villa. And we're partly seeing that now, but not to quite the extent. I don't think today was a down tools game. I don't think today was a, why are you playing me in this game? I want to play on Thursday game. 
it was a mix of it was a mix of bad luck and just not having enough quality. And it's like, what what are you what are we going to switch in? Because Jay, you said earlier, you know, Arteta is value for money um, for you know what he cost and what he's delivered compared to what Mourinho cost and yep. what Mourinho yep. delivered. You're going to put Nuno in there and expect better? Don't be ridiculous. Carlo, yeah. like, if, if we'd won today, we would have been on the same points as Everton, and he's a £15 million a year manager. Um, Thomas Thomas Tuchel would have the same problems um, at Arsenal, although he'd be more experienced, but he's fallen out with Dortmund. He's fallen out at PSG. Yeah. Nagelsmann is 33 years old, and he doesn't deal with egos, and he would be asking different things of these players. So you're going to get these... You're going to get similar problems whoever you put in, and at the core... Our squad isn't good enough. And Arteta has had a say in that. But um, when he plays the right players, we're capable of things. And we are capable. I think we're capable of beating Man United. I think the uh, I think that Arteta is a better coach than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And I think we, sp- we discussed it last week. And Johnny said on our day and on Man United's day, if we both have good days, Arsenal would win. So... Um- there are still moments that can turn this season and turn next season. But at the moment, the narrative is miserable and sad and I hate it. I, I 100% look, look this, this, is why, look, this is why for me, once again, I just keep going back to this. It's so important to continue with the same metric for uh, judgments on, on, their, on, on his success. And I've remained the same. And I, if, 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 if he won the Europa League and I was like, nah, suck, suck him. Everyone can come at me. Everyone can come at me because I've said it all along, but I will stay the same. I think that's a good barometer. But this is why we can't bounce around after a Leicester game and go, you know what, he's got it or what, he really has got it, this guy. (laughs) You know, the only thing for me, and it is about narratives because it's not only with the fans, it's about the players. When you have a player, who, a manager who is this much of a novice, he has no um, previous experience to point to and say, look, I know what I'm doing. Um, and there are there are players who are probably like three years younger than him in some cases. You know, what I mean, they're, they're similar age groups to uh, and yep. to be kind of feeling you know some kind of reverence to his superior football knowledge. But I think that um, you know he won he won a trophy, but so did Roberto Di Matteo at Chelsea. He won the big one. You know, what I mean, he did, he yeah. yeah. within three months after that, and yeah, a little and, bit different mate, though. No, yeah, granted. You know. Another another name that unfortunately has started to pop into my head a little bit more with Arteta is Roberto Martinez, who also won the FA Cup with Wigan and got them relegated. Now, obviously, <laughs> I'm not suggesting that we're we're going Explicit to get relegated. Material. This is but, uh, no, no, no. Obviously, I'm not I'm saying push that. the parental button on this one. <laughs> now, now, now. The thing is, the reason why I say it is because. It was clear that Martinez had a kind of style, and, and a lot. If you look at if you look at the um, apologists of Martinez, particularly after he won an FA Cup, what was the thing that they kept saying? Oh, the one thing you'd say about Martinez is it's clear that he he's a good coach and he he wants to play a certain way, but he doesn't quite have the players to play in his style. And I feel like if he went to a better team, he might be able to do it. And all of this, and Wigan play a different way. Well, he got him relegated. Then he went to a better team in Everton and done nothing. And then he went to Belgium and yeah, done they're a number bit. one in the world right now. Yeah, but, <laughs> like, come on, Johnny. What more do you want, yeah. Belgium? It's yeah, no, yeah, population but, of two million or something. Oh, like that. Of course, but what I'm, what I'm saying is, is I, I I don't think Martinez is a top top manager. I no. mean, 
when you talk about Belgium, like, you know, I think Kevin De Bruyne helps a little bit with that. <laughs> Eden Hazard helps a little bit with that, you know. He's, he's not got a bunch of journeymen playing out there. So no, like, but that but that is precisely it, Johnny. You, um, he gets better players and then they're number one in the world and they've been, like, bubbling around there for many years. And I'm not saying that Roberto Martinez is a, is a great coach. I think that I think the thing that made the manager that's maybe a little bit closer is Villas-Boas. Um, Young manager, uh, did well in his first season, took the big job, couldn't deal with the egos, so tried to get rid of all the egos, then got rid of all the coaches that everybody loved at the club, built ivory towers, and everyone hated him, and then he got binned off, and then you never saw him again. Binned off, binned off everywhere, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but Arteta doesn't have um, a world-class squad to, to choose from um, at the moment, and I think he's made some mistakes in that squad um, in that squad bill, but look, I, I thought I thought there was some good performance. You know, I know it was terrible, but Smith like Rowe, Smith like Rowe, yeah, okay. yeah. Smith Rowe was great. I thought Saka um, was fantastic. I thought Thomas Partey, some of the balls that he can play, and that like um, playing out of the back and like deep midfield in that those sort of high stress environments. I thought we were really really good going from the final third. Um, sorry, going from like deep within our own half and transitioning um, into the final third. But I think if you started with Martinelli, who has a little bit more purpose about his game, like I, like Eddie Nketiah is a quiet player. He's um, he sits back and he waits to pounce. He doesn't involve yeah. himself. He doesn't involve himself like um, like a Martinelli's going to press. A Lacazette drops deep and connects everybody. Eddie just want, Eddie needs to play off a big striker. Uh, to get the most out of his game, Where, in my where's opinion. Where's Balogun? Where is Balogun, man? Like, what is going I'd love on? To, I'd love to see him. Yeah, yeah, love to uh, see him. Well, now, now, um, now, now's the big question. Like after Arteta has seen the rather toothless performance from Eddie, it wasn't terrible performance, but you can't take that to Villarreal, right? <laughs> Who do you play on? Who do you play on Thursday? Assuming neither are fit, do you play Martinelli uh, up front? I, I'm hoping Aubameyang is going to be better, but I mean... I don't think so. I don't think... No, no way. You don't come don't, back from malaria after two weeks. I think, I think Pepe's done well. I think he's done better in the second half of the season. I think he causes problems. Do you see, by the way, which which got no coverage at all, the tackle by their centre-back on Pepe, which caught him above his ankle, could easily be a red card, wasn't even looked at. It was a terrible tackle, that. Wasn't yeah, it? The, 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 big, the big centre-back. Centre yeah. Terrible tackle that was. I thought Pepe caused problems. You know, I, I think what I can't establish to the point about Smith Rowe is you remember the Spurs game? We were so brilliant against Spurs because he played on the left and he got behind all the time. And we didn't get we didn't get round the back of them once. They don't know why. To the point about Arteta and the decisions he makes, he was so effective on the left that day with Odegaard on the right. And he was getting round the back all the time. They couldn't cope. He's got such quick feet to get around the back. It didn't happen once today because he's playing out of position. I mean, he doesn't. He, he moves them around all the time, and you know, I would probably stick with Arteta. If, if a you know, gun to my head, I'd stick with Arteta. I just don't understand some of the decisions he makes. But if if it'd be interesting on Thursday if he starts with Martin, you know, when when Arteta's backs against the wall, he plays the most spectacular attacking teams, right? Every time, you're like, why don't you do this all the time? Martinelli yeah. will be number nine, and then we'll yeah. have um, Erdegaard, Saka. And Smith Rowe surrounding him, and we'll yes. you know we'll probably win two nil. Uh, uh, but it's like, why didn't you do that today? And Flo Balogun should be playing for the rest of the season. See how Agreed. good he is. Give him yes. a go. Why He's would a much you not? More... Why would you not? Yeah, and I... uh, and and he said he was he, he, uh, Arsenal uh, number one in the Premier League for minutes for players under the age of twenty one. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. 
we should we should we shouldn't be a thousand minutes more than any other team. We should be two, three thousand. Saliba should be yeah. back in the side. Balogun should be getting minutes. Make it your thing. I, I, saw, I, saw, a great, I saw a great chart this week as well. Brilliant, good one about the investment of owners in their clubs versus just spending money they've already spent. And United and no, the City and Spurs were at about seventy and eighty percent of investment from owners, and Arsenal were at zero. And so they all the, the only money they spend is money they make. Um, so. Yeah. It's crazy, yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah. and they spent a lot. Their net spend is, what, third, fourth highest in a league, in a league yeah. of oligarchs. So it's quite crazy how bad yeah, the yeah. system is. So <laughs> I, think that, I think that's the point that we move on to, uh, to the more joyful topic of our owners trying to, uh, to, to take over football, to create a closed shop. Uh, you got Johnny, a, you got yourself a think, drink there, Matt. Yeah, you got yourself. Johnny, uh, there we go. Here uh, Johnny, we go. <laughs> no, nobody on the podcast spoke as passionately about preserving football uh, than you. I felt people put you on the back foot last week and said there's no way that the fans can win back in. The only person on the podcast that stood up for the fans was you. The only person that believed was you. So I'm going to give you uh, the hot take. Uh, what, like, let's uh, before we get into it. Uh, Let's talk about what happened. How do you feel about what happened in the week? So it was it was interesting, wasn't it? When we when we had uh, we did the podcast, and one of the reasons why we did it was because it obviously was a very emotive subject, and it felt like it, you know, was, um, you know, sometimes in football, but in life in general, you feel like something, you know, there can be a small moment where you feel like a lifetime is happening. You know, it, it's all happening very very quick. So that generational moments are happening and that felt like something was really really building and so it felt natural that we would talk on it at the time and for me I I, I just felt initially um, that it was jarring with all of my kind of football fibres the things that I placed value on in football it really kind of jarred and you know I as much as uh, Matt's going to get a bit of stick out here anyway, um, I, I, I did actually, you know, I, I, I understood the logic of where you were coming from uh, and Dan as well, for that matter, as well, with, with some of the points you were making. I, I, just, I just completely don't agree. And I, and I, you know, was very adamant that I thought that this one would be shot down and two be shot down quite quickly and three would be a good vehicle to put serious, serious pressure to change our ownership because they exposed their hand, they overplayed their hand, and by doing so, they really revealed their intentions to the whole Arsenal fan base. If there are because I don't think there are any Arsenal fans who sit there going, We've got the best chairman, yay! <laughs> you know, in the chairman leagues, we're not really getting behind Cronky or anything, but he was just when Matt talks about apathy, you know, we've grown apathetic to our um, to our owners in the sense that it's like people understood that they didn't really like him anymore, but they just felt, you know, helpless to be able to change that situation. And I thought that one of the things that would come out of this was due to the fact that he's overplayed his hand, it would energise a fan base, energise a fan base um, by showing that he didn't have the interest of the fans at heart and ultimately was in it for money. Now, I'm sure we're going to go on to it a little bit more as we go on, but, um, you know, when we look, and, and there was a very, very big onus after this got dispelled for each owner of the six clubs to come out, 
I don't think every one of them have ha- had to do it. You know, I don't think Sheikh Mansour gives a shit, quite frankly. <laughs> He's like, hey, buckle up, guys. You'll do what you'll do as you're told. Um, oh, we've got another <laughs> Premier League coming in a couple of weeks. Um, but you know, at Arsenal, you're damn sure are going to have to pay the pipe. You're going to have to. You're going to have to talk to us. Tell us what the hell was going on. And it was never going to be good enough. But I found from the bits I uh, have read on Josh Cronkey's uh, interview, it to be wholly patronising, quite <laughs> dismissive, you know, and disrespectful of an Arsenal fan base that he has shown time and time again that he's completely disengaged with. And one of the main takeaways for me is that when you talk about signing up to a project like this, you know, have you not got a fucking focus group, mate? Do you not know how they work? Like, how about yeah. you? How about you get a couple of geezers together who support Arsenal and go, "This is what we're thinking. Keep it to yourself." How would this go down? You know, and don't tell me that oh, we knew there'd be a bit of backlash. Look, I could have told you this kind of stuff was going to be going on. It was big backlash, big results, and at the end of the day, I think that this could be so seismic and so significant that we could it could lead to a change in ownership and at the end of the day if we all like Spotify maybe it is old uh, <laughs> Daniel Ek Daniel Ek Daniel Ek <laughs> for the quite, win quite On controversial <laughs> quite controversial really for somebody that runs such a huge company to come out and say I fancy a bit send it my way like that was uh, that was imagine the guy that man, the guy that negotiated um, unlimited streams with the music <laughs> industry imagine if he got the uh, William has just asked for three years. And <laughs> I just wonder what you think of that negotiation. Um, Matt, I'm, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go to you next because um, you you saw the devil and you stuck out your hand and you wanted to to shake it and, uh, and sell out football. Uh, you got a lot of pelters <laughs> online last week. You are enemy of, you're, you're no longer a fan favourite. <laughs> <laughs> on this podcast it's just journey on its own matt what's your what like you you you've worked in advertising you run a design agency uh, now what was the biggest miss of this collection of extremely wealthy uh, business people what did they miss what did they miss well they, they missed the power of fan sentiment um just firstly just to sort of reiterate why um i didn't think it was um, a terrible thing for us was because um, I was looking at it through the lens of a business owner. And um, if I was running a business that was uh, essentially falling into obscurity and I was able to negotiate an agreement that would put me on parity with uh, rivals who are now uh, far ahead of where I am and my business is, um, and secure the financial future, and I think of 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 the business and all the people within it. Then, f- from a pure business perspective, that's an outstanding result. And I never saw it as Super League or Premier League. I saw it as Super League and Premier League because yeah. I never thought that the Premier League could exist without the top six clubs. And I think that's the lens that the club was looking at it, which is basically we'll have our cake and eat it, and you know it's it's just the way it is. So. Um, obviously, um, it hasn't happened. Uh, obviously there's been this, this big climb down. Um, and now we're going to have to re-energize the club because, um, we're going to have to re-energize the owners while they're still there, because I'm sure that they, 
are incredibly disappointed. I'm sure they're questioning what the future looks like for them and the club because when you think it's going to be one way that just looks incredible with you know unlimited money, signing new players, it's difficult to then um, to then to then to then go back to, to to where we were. So it's a moment of change. Um, the one thing that I was left yearning for, and I know this is going to be controversial, was someone like Arsene Wenger at the club, not in a not in a not in a manager role, but someone who had a vision. And someone who had a point of view on where the club should go. And I think this whole episode highlights the lack of vision and, 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 and what a point of view around Arsenal is now. So yeah, I agree. We're, we're, yeah. we're crying out for that, for that person. And I'd be interested to know what you think, Jay, on, 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 yeah. on that. Jay, you work yeah, at the yeah. top table with lots of powerful business people. Um, have like, did you, expect or have you ever seen a collapse of something so big so quickly based on mean tweets uh, it, it, it is it, i've never seen anything like it what it, what, what it was for me was it was a total it was just it was a total mess by made by the arrogance of billionaires who by virtue of being billionaires think they know better than everyone else so i thought that was a really interesting the thing that people could take away from it is that as, as rich as people can be, they can still be stupid and they can still make the same mistakes we would all make. And the mistakes they made were not taking the fans on this journey. They should have been starting this a year ago, getting the fans involved, to your point, you know, get, getting folks involved, beginning to seed it, creating a narrative around it, beginning to tell people why this is a good thing and creating, you know, they were arrogant to assume it was just a play thing and they could do whatever they wanted with the national sport. And they should have been, they should have been planning this 18 months out, talking to people, seeding it, yeah, Matt and I, you know, we all, you know, we all work in this business when it comes to brands and marketing. Your know, strategy doesn't work like that. You don't just dump strategy on. You've got to seed it and plant it and think it through. And They just didn't do it because they're arrogant. And they thought they could do whatever they wanted. And it was the, I think people reacted to that so badly, to the arrogance of the billionaires. Because we know with our ownership, I'm sure it's the same with all the ownership, they have no connection to the club. It, it, it's just a commodity. They might as well be selling, you know, eggs or fruit or bananas. It doesn't matter. And they have no emotional connection to the club, and that's what's killing us. They, 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 if, it, if it doesn't work for them, they'll be shot of it as soon as you like. Um, you know, I can't imagine what it would be like. I can't remember. When was the last time we had an owner who really cared? I mean, Hillwood, I David guess, the last one. They, David Dean and, and, and David, Peter Hillwood, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, so, and, and it was... David Dean, yeah, no, Peter Hillwood wasn't the best, really. I, I, didn't, like, I didn't like Peter Hillwood at didn't all. Have, David, David didn't Dean have a connection a, with the fans, yeah. He was yeah. a visionary, but j- just to push back on a couple of those points there, and, and this might happen a few times, um, <laughs> it basically, I, I don't think that it's an issue about, you know, maybe seeding the idea a little bit earlier. The issue is that the idea was flawed in its essence. Now, one of the biggest issues... Um, with regards to the European Super League, is the issue of competition. And I don't think, as a fan base, Arsenal fans are suffering right now. We're looking at it and we're like, we are absolute shit. We are worth (laughs) every penny of a 10th place finish or an 11th place. We look ordinary at best. That's it. It's not, we talk about unlucky. Well, no, we're quite a shit team, actually. And, (laughs) And the fact is, is the idea that we can just, you know, hit a, a, a fucking Monopoly card and hit a, you know, go go past go and collect fucking £200 just because of who we are. We haven't earned anything. And without earning anything, could, 
The thing is, is you've got to remember the sphere in which most fans view football when they consume it. Most of it, we don't kick the balls. We don't score the goals. But when we win the trophies, we go to our friends and go, do you see my team? Fucking smashed it, mate. Oh, and what we do is we point to the wonderful goals and the great play that got us there and go, we're the nuts, and somehow I helped us be the nuts. <laughs> if, if we were to start boasting about our successes in the U- European Super League when we never even earned getting there and we can't get relegated from it, We'd be laughed out of town. No fan wants it because there's no story there. There's no, there's no grace. There's no justice behind it. And at the end of the day, because there's no justice, there's no merit to the success, potential successes. And therefore, it's a flawed idea from its onset and can only be just justified as a positive when you look at the financial like revenue that you could earn. And and for most fans, some of whom can't even afford to see their team anymore, it's the most patronising and disgusting, you know, a, a prospect that is being shoved down our throats at a time when the whole world is going through an immense kind of struggle. And, and for me, I think that it shows how out of touch our ownership is. And, and, yeah. and I, I'd like to see someone else at the helm. I, I, th- I think the, I, I think that, if they'd spoken to the fans earlier, that the biggest, the, the only thing that stopped this going through, really, in my opinion, was the closed shop. The closed shop agreed, was... Agreed, that they would have changed it. They would have yeah, changed it. because, agreed. like, here, here's the thing. Um, football's unfair. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's disgustingly unfair. Like, we're, we're sitting here going, we're, like, uh, we, we would never do it. Gary Neville... Uh, like uh, you know, obviously, in a very impressive person, huge fucking hypocrite. Man United Massive. and potentially Massive. Arsenal are going to be in the Europa Cup final. And Jay said at the start, he sees no chance of us beating Man United. Step back a bit. Man United finished third in their group in the Champions League. They failed in Europe, and then they drop into our shitty little competition because they've got a second chance to win. Uh, a way back into the competition. They failed it. Mm. That is so unfair on every level, but we accept it. We accept yeah, it. Yeah, it's yeah. like coefficients yeah. in the World Cup. So the good teams uh, don't play the good teams. We accept it. There's no luck of the draw. So I, I, I think if um, I think if they'd uh, not, I think if they'd not opted for the closed shop thing, I think they would have changed it. And I think that they can still get to this sort of Super League thing where uh, the big I agree. teams. Yeah, that would have come through talking to the fact they talked to the fans earlier. Yeah got them involved, got them behind it, say, what do you want from it? It would have changed it. It would have given it, a, you know, it, 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 the way it was, the lack of jeopardy, the lack of earned respect, totally agree. It's absolutely terrible, terrible thing for the sport. But they, they, it, it, if they'd taken advice and done it properly, it would never would have ended up in that format. And it yeah. also reminds and- me of like those direct-to-consumer brands, because if you can be like, look, the reason we're doing this is because instead of giving away half of our hard-earned money to a, to, a, to a footballing body, we get to keep it ourselves to invest in the club. Yeah. The yeah. fans as a whole completely understand that. They're like, yeah, why do we want to give money to like UEFA, UEFA and this? Yeah. And why, yeah. don't, why don't it make sense to like, negotiate deals on our own? Because like, it's, it's, it's all down to the value of the brands that are in it. No one, no one loves UEFA. And you know, you know how you get Arsenal back in the Champions League without a close shot mentality? You say, okay, um, we're going to make the Europa League more appealing. Um, the four teams that get into the semifinals... Uh, get get yeah. Champions League qualification. Yeah. If Arsenal play Man United in the final of the Europa League and Man United win and they get into the Champions League, 
Arsenal get their Champions League spot. There were so many simple yeah. ways that they could yeah. rig rig the system in or, their favour. But they, or Pete, if you went, if you went right, basically, what we're kind of tired of seeing is uh, you know teams like young boys doing their little turn in the Champions League and just getting rolled out, and it's just a waste of time. So shall we go? the top six in the Premier League get into the Champions League. I know there are some going, it's getting silly now, but at least you're then starting to talk. There are more competitive teams in there. And if you go top six from England in the Premier League, they can all play each other from day dot. Like you could be in the same group as, you know, it could be Arsenal and Man U in the same group. Something like that would be much more palatable to fans. I don't think fans are resistant to change. Are we are we are we plotting the new Super League here? I feel like yeah, we're it is interesting. Point. What is the point of the Europa League? Why do we not have just have a bigger Champions League? I've never thought about that. What is the point of the Europa? Well, we've had two European competitions. Well, we used to have three competitions for a long time. Yeah, yeah um, I agree. Let's have one. Let's have one bigger, a bigger Champions team. League. Six teams. I agree. That that would be much more interesting. Yeah, I mean, there'd be so, more money in, wouldn't there? So, just, yeah. just before we move into the protest, I just want to bring up something because I didn't. I, I did a little bit of research on uh, on Gary Neville. Typical, um, I, I was like socialist sort of mindset, but um, you know, swilling champagne behind the scenes. Um, Gary Neville, voice of the fans, like so many voice of the fans this week that you're like, oh my god, did we do a deal with that? Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> Rupert Murdoch's organisation yeah. will save us. Yeah. Boris Johnson got involved behind the scenes and you know that that shook things up. But Gary Gary Neville, uh, voice of the fans, I'm glad that he did the voice of the fans. But I started reading up about Salford. Salford outspending uh, everybody. Gary Neville uh, reportedly using his celebrity sway to get deals that other clubs couldn't get. Gary Neville got into bed with Peter Lim when Arsenal tried to hire Nuno, um, I was told, go and look at Nuno and go and look at his relationship with Valencia. Peter Lim came into Valencia, brought in Mendes. Mendes became the sporting director, put Nuno in charge. Um, Nuno finished in the Champions League, but then Mendes started rolling his players through for the big fees. And Valencia fans hounded Nuno out because they were like, Peter Lim and Nuno have ripped the heart out of our club. They've spoiled it for us. Peter Lim is at Salford, and Salford are doing that currently. So it's like, hold on, Gary. Well, I did not know that. Nice man, yeah. man of the people in bed with someone that put Mendes in there. Uh, it's uh, it's disgusting. And David Beckham's, you know, breaking breaking rules in the MLS, uh, signing players that you shouldn't be. It's like, like we did the deal with so many devils last week. It was disgusting. It was uh, like, it's, yeah, it, yeah. and and where where is where was Gary Neville on all of the hot topics? Um, of the of the last uh, the last few years, systemic racism in football, like you brought up last week, Johnny. I hope that, I, d- that you, I don't know. See- Gar- Gary's pretty good on racism, to be. I- I'm coming back on you with Gary, but if you've got more stuff on him, go for it. But I'm coming. I, I like Gary Neville. I do. But like did, him. Uh, did you, Johnny? Did you see that UEFA stepped in on systemic racism today? No, I didn't. I haven't seen that. You're, yeah, no, UEFA. I can't wait to read that. UEFA stepped in on systemic racism, and they're talking about banning clubs for life from competitions there's a whole thing so they're like they're listening they're like if we can go this big on money then we have to go big on the other things but uh but yeah gary gary neville um like happy to rip the rip the heart out of uh, lower division football if he's got something in it but (laughs) a defender of it when he's getting paid by rupert murdoch to protect sky's interests so i I don't know the the cheap shot he put in on arsenal as well was made him i thought made him lose credibility 
say, you know, what are Arsenal doing there? There shouldn't have been no part of it. That is so <laughs> fucking short-sighted, honestly. As if, as, yeah, we should be fucking Leicester or Wolves. Oh, shut up. Come on, <laughs> idiot. That is, he just, all of a sudden, his muscle memory kicked in. He couldn't help but go back to, like, 2002. <laughs> and, you know, you know, I watched the highlights. Do you remember that game when Reyes was kicked off out of the park in that game? By yeah. Him? Should yeah. be sent off eight it's, times. It's, it's, it's still like painful. Oh, terrible. And he couldn't help himself. He came to the end of his, his diatribe. He said, oh, by the way, what are Arsenal doing? They're a sack of shit. I'd rather watch San Marino playing. No, I'm going to push back a bit with Gary because um, I, I um, first of all, hated the man as a football player. Oh, awful, terrible. Awful, awful man as a football player. But I think he's actually a very sound, reasoned guy as a pundit. Now, you know, his reasoning, I thought one of the biggest reasons he put out there was the one around competition. Um, and I think that holds up. This is what I've just talked about. And there are no justifications for the lack of competitiveness when it comes to having a closed shop can't be relegated you know almost um uh, that you are ordained with a place in it for the other places which can be taken away after a year you know like a Leicester might come in for a year and Everton might come in for a year that's that's just not the kind of um competitive edge that we all watch sport for it's not so i think no. it's sound on that but, but is financial dopey in any better is bringing in super agents to like push fees through like working no, but- with peter lim peter lim is one of the most disgusting men in football and he's got him 50 percent owner of salford how can he talk about fairness in football as he's but- doping uh league two it's like there's just that's but not you're, you're 100 percent right no but what i was going to say on this is you, what you were talking about earlier when you were saying there isn't any fairness in football, it's been happening for years. I remember watching United in the early 90s and they used to just win the league every year. And that you'd see them in the Champions League and you, and that was in the days when only one champion got through, you know. And and it was just it was just awful just watching them every year. And the good thing is they always failed in those days, um, which has changed since, since then. But, you know, the, fa- the fact is, is there are some teams that always get the benefit, whether it's... A, a team with a bigger stadium that earn more money or a bigger, you know, financial benefactor that we've seen in the recent times with City and Chelsea. So we know there's going to be a level of unfairness and that at times adds to the intrigue of the story, uh, whether you can be the underdog to, you know, uh, usurp these um, handicaps to come to ultimate success. That's all part of it. But when you start talking about the fact that you can't get relegated and you can't actually guarantee promotion through merit, that's that's something completely different. That's something that I, I don't have any interest in. And so when Gary talks about that, it was a valid point. His other valid point was he had serious question marks, as I would, about this trickle-down economics where you set up this, you know, European uh, Super League, which is some kind of mecca of football where all the money is there, but then it somehow they'll maybe buy a Premier League player for 80 million and that will drip feed its way down to Salford when at or, or other non-league clubs. When in reality, there are so many non-league clubs that are seriously struggling for their even their, their, their existence right now because they're under such financial hardship. So without the... Because one of the things is, it's not about saying that UEFA is some... Um, you know, saintly organisation, because it's not. No one is saying that these are the good guys. They, and if you are, you ain't paying attention. You know, they are not a good organisation. They, they are absolutely corrupt. But the fact is, is we've lived with them for a long time. And clubs that rely on the current structure of things 
need at least a bit of planning to manoeuvre, otherwise they will go out of business, especially after a pandemic when everyone, after clubs in the lower leagues have people on furlough. Some people got players on furlough, you know. So at the end of the day, if you're going to do this, um, you would need to have consultation with all of these clubs to make sure that everyone is being protected for the spirit of football. And because at the end of the day, I, I love Arsenal, but I do care about a Div 2 team. I, I care about the pyramid of football because without that structure, the integrity of the competition, it, it, it misses for me because I think that Arsenal deserve to be where they are because we're better than X team we play in the FA Cup and they're shit, you know, and this geezer's a plumber in the week, but he gets to play against... Saka and Aubameyang, you know what I mean? Like, I, I like that story, but they need to be protected and their positions need to be protected, not just, oh, actually, mate, no one really cares about your shit club. Let's just get all of the good clubs together and play, like, FIFA competitions for ourselves. So I, I do respect Gary. And, and just on the racism thing, I think he's been very good on it, like Gary Lineker. So I, I, I do, I, you know, I, I'll back Gary. I do think I do think it's quite good. No, filthy, filthy, just like the rest of them. <laughs> Peter Lim is one of the most disgusting people in football. What Peter Lim did to Valencia was horrendous for the fans. Uh, it was grotesque. Um, and like I, I cannot have Gary Neville is this great guy because he stands up and he says some nice things occasionally. Like your actions speak louder than words, and what he did to Valencia and what you know what he's taken to Salford that doesn't speak to a man of the people to me. And he's working sounds like Murdoch five million a year, whatever you know. Anyway, sounds we, like sounds like Gary Neville's a trigger word for you, Pete. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, like, look, there, there are there are certain there are certain people in football that they say stuff, and I and I love them for it. Ian Wright. Ian Wright speaks up and you know that like, you know, his words mean something. Uh, like Gary Neville, I, I, I don't know. I, I think he's, um, I think he's jazz hands, but we should move on from Gary Neville because Gary Neville is not the most important thing. It's just annoys me. Um, what I want to talk about today, the protests, um, the, the, the fans at the, the billionaires uh, look at football as content and they look at their competition as Netflix and Spotify and podcasts like, and, and, and video games. What was interesting today was uh, it looked like a Netflix series out there. Arsenal fans are the meekest fans in the world. They turned up with their flares. It looked like something out of AC Milan. Uh, Like Matt, Jay, like what, what do the protests mean? Do they mean anything? What was that statement? Did it embarrass the billionaires? What do you think? Is anything going to come of this? I I thought the funniest thing about it was the side by side of the pictures of of, of the protests at Arsenal versus the pictures of White Hart Lane. I don't know if you saw them. Oh, yeah. White, White Hart Lane had a dude with a guitar and like a couple of grannies taking some video. And at least ours looked like ours looked like it meant something, but it felt like a proper event. It felt well coordinated. Um, there were probably oh, there were hundreds of people there rather than a dozen people there. I thought it felt like a pro. I thought I thought it felt like it, it, it won't affect the ownership. The owners will see it and they'll listen. They'll make the right noises. Nothing will change. You know, Josh Cronkey said yesterday he's going to still going to invest in the summer. He's he, he's a PR. He's a PR guy and a front guy. So. This won't change their perspective. Their, their perspective will only change if, if people start boycotting and sponsors start pulling out and all that. That was the only thing that would cause that change. But I thought it did show togetherness of us as a club. It showed a heart for the club and a soul for the club, which I like to see. Matt, what it, does it mean anything? It doesn't mean anything um, because, you know, the protest is sort of irrelevant because, you know, we, we've seen all this. We've seen all this before. I think what might be more interesting is a point that you sort of touched on that I didn't really see when I saw it, but 
I think the act of Daniel Ek of Spotify, the founder of Spotify, coming out and essentially saying, I'll buy Arsenal <laughs> if, if the chance is dead. He did it in a very sort of polite way, where it's like, if the Cronkies want to sell, then, you know, let's yeah. talk. But what's clear is that you could, for the first time, see um, other very rich individuals coming up, especially in a public way. Like these things aren't normally public. I don't think I've ever seen that before done it done like that. No. You know, normally no. normally normally it's no comment or this. Very rare that someone with the money to actually do it comes out. And very smart, I think, the way that was done. Um, because it suddenly sort of starts opening people's minds up to the possibility of having an owner who seems sort of much more modern and connected to the cl- to the club, even just the, the Anders Limpar reference was, was 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 smartly done. So, I think what's more interesting is it's clear that Arsenal fans want to get rid. But if other people begin to think that there might be an opportunity for them to be the people to to be the new owners, that's the bit that's maybe more interesting for yeah. me. Because well, come on, come on. How- how good would the Spotify logo look on an Arsenal shirt? <laughs> oh, shades of O2 circles. I love it. Um, no, so, so, so a couple, couple of things. First, first of all, um, there have been people talking about Ars- uh, buying Arsenal. Dan Goate, I, I mentioned on the last one, I don't know if I'm pronouncing the name right. He's an African billionaire. I believe he's from Nigeria. I mean, he's, he's got more money than Cronky has. Like, I believe yeah. it's 12, 13 billion um, pounds that he's worth. And he has literally said, I support Arsenal. I love Arsenal and I am going to buy this club. He's like, he apparently, you know, and, and let me be clear, I'll preface this, you know, all billionaires are bad dudes. <laughs> like we, you ain't getting a billionaire who's a really nice bloke. They ain't, they, you don't get to that level of wealth just by being a really nice guy. It doesn't happen. You, you might get a nice millionaire. You ain't getting a nice billionaire, you know. And the fact is, is that, he said, oh, I've got a um, mine that I'm opening or something. This was, you, you can Google this stuff. He's like, um, I've got a mine that I'm opening that I've been working on. But after I get this done, I am going to buy Arsenal. And he's talking about, like, I will put enough money down that Kroenke will have to sell, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, there are. it's not just going to be about Daniel Ek. It, you know, but what, what I think you made a very good point on, Matt, and this is what I kind of uh, uh, took from it in the sense that, what it's not about just having the money either because the Cronkies will try and hang on. And I definitely think that you are underestimating the power of fan protest because of course it's not going to take a fan protest and the Cronkies are going, go on in, I'll take a tenner for the club. No one's saying that, you know, they're obviously not going to sell it on the cheap. They want big, big dosh for it. They, you know, obviously the wealth of the club, but they are not going to just want to be, continually continually pillarized by the community in a in a, a place where they're clearly not wanted every time there's a game they're they're booed they're, yeah but do you remember do you, the, the point i'd make do you remember that fact do you remember that the, the the worst summer i mean we've had worse since but it felt like the worst summer when we sold fabregas and nasri and we said we weren't gonna we weren't gonna sell anyone and the fans were rioting in the stadium and booing everything and it was bought sat the board it was all of that 
we brought Arteta, Mertesacker, and got Benayunum on loan, and we all shut up. You know, yes. that's, that's <laughs> Benayunum on loan. You know uh, what we, uh, Johnny? There are differences in billionaires, right? You get American billionaires that try and run it like a business. I want a reckless billionaire. <laughs> I want, I want someone that I want someone that has the biggest ego, and they can't stand Arsenal losing, and they just want to open that checkbook over and over again, yeah. just throw money at us. I don't want a sensible business model. I want what Manchester City have got. I want what PSG have got. Well, That's what I, I want. Mean, if we're going, if we're going to go for a billionaire, let's go for the biggest billionaire. Let's go for but, someone. But, who's... But, but I think it comes back to this guardianship thing, where I think it's less about who the. And I think this would be my play if I was someone like Daniel Eck or, or one of these consortiums of people, I'd be saying it's not just about me coming in and buying the club. It's about the people and how I'm going to run it. And I just, I know that you've had your issues with them over the years, but I would love to have Arsene Wenger involved at board level in the running of Arsenal to act in some sort of form of stewardship or, or David Dean, if it's not too, 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 too far gone for him, but you know, someone like that where, where the club has a CEO that is, that is um, just un, un, that you, there is absolutely no question that they are a bigger Arsenal man than any fan. I mean, Austin Wenger's just, yeah. he's Arsenal through and through, right? I like the yeah. idea of a technology CEO. Um, Hoffenheim uh, was bought by the guy that runs uh, SAP, uh, SAP, um, in, in Germany, underpinned by technology, driven by technology, best people in the right positions, yeah. correct corporate structure. That's the interesting thing about Spotify. They hire the best people in every single position because they can afford to, and they drive forward. It's continuous improvement. Like it's uh, that sort of design, uh, you know, design mindset. Uh, yeah. I, I don't, I just think that it's, it's our lot in life. I don't think they're ever going to sell. I think I, it's, I, we're stuck. I, I, I think, I think kind of the point I was making, and I think that both Matt and, and Pete, you make good points anyway. First of all, you know, just a, a quick one to your point, Pete, I, I, I'm completely on board. Like, I don't, what I'm saying is I don't like the billionaires, but if we've got to have one, give yeah. me one that's going to chuck money around. I, I don't, what, what, how can we, how did we end up with a conservative billionaire? That doesn't like winning. That doesn't like winning. What a joke. Yeah. We've got a we don't like who doesn't want to spend money. What, there's just nothing going on here. Anyway, uh, but the point that you were making, Matt, which I think was really kind of astute, and it was something that I thought when I, when I saw about Daniel Eck is, if you are a billionaire that wants to try and um, place pre- pressure on the ownership to actually sell, the, the fans will do their part. And honestly, I do think, you know, with respect, I think that you've obviously underestimated fan pressure already this week. So you've doubled up again. <laughs> you know, oh, no, no, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. European Super League, we'll be playing that in a couple of weeks. Fan pressure <laughs> is real, you know. Um, and and, and if, if you were a prospective you know, a potential buyer, what you would do is you would sell your position as someone who would take ownership of the club and completely, one, come from a fan's perspective, but two, get involved, get the fans, the modern day fans involved in the outlook of Arsenal, in the ways that we are moving forward, in the, you know, in in everything, in the methodology that we um, utilise with regards to, Plans that the way the the club's going to be, move forward, but also like, what do we want to be? How do we want to present ourselves? You know, what does the team want to 
even down to how do we want to play, that kind of stuff. If you sold yourself as a as the conscientious billionaire, oh, there, <laughs> there's a hypocritical statement in itself, you know what I mean? Um, but I, I, I think... I think that is how you could potentially sell yourself to make yourself a very attractive proposition as a new owner for fa- for the fans right now who've already sat through over 10 years of Conkey. I think the interesting thing is, I think, that tweet from Daniel Eck was, I don't think, I think it was very calculated. And, and I'm hoping that it's the first of a very well-planned pattern of, of of sequencing of events to maybe bec- like put himself, you know, make a really serious move for the club. I just don't yeah. think that, that but, billionaire... But if Crockett doesn't want to sell, if he doesn't want to sell, we're all snooping anyway. We're all done anyway. So Jay, why would he keep it? it? Jay, what, uh, what, what, what do you think? It, like, what is the investment to get back to the top is like 300 million. The fans hate him. Um, they've got big problems with that LA build. What? What? And the Super League's dead. What? What do you think is going on there behind must, the scenes? There might, so you must use it as a tax write-off in some way. I would think there, there is a reason why he has it um, to bury money in, to, so he can, he can write off money and all that kind of stuff. So, it, it, but it is, it is literally his his level of engagement is so low that it's a tax write-off instead of a football club. <laughs> I mean, it's it's terrible. But that is what's so scary about it. So there is no emotion. You know, I don't believe his son cares. I don't believe he cares. Um, they don't really care about the clubs in America. Let alone the clubs here. I mean, he, he has he has no emotional engagement with it at all. He's a total waste of an owner. He's a waste of an owner. We, we could have so much more, but unfortunately, the directors are to blame. They all sold one by one. You know, Nina Bracewell Smith and the cars and all that. You know, one by one by one, they sold out, and that was where the problem started. And Crocker said, "I'll take it if I take." You know, I recognize this. I can bury it. I can use it to wash money, whatever it may be. Um, he saw some value in it and still sees value in it. And he persuaded all that group, all the family that we grew up with, that all of us grew up with through the 80s and 90s of the club, one by one, they were knocked down. So he managed to persuade them. He offered them top dollar for the, for the shares, I'm sure. Um, and that's what's caused the problem. 2007, 2008, when he went to the directors and took the shares. Um, I mean, they haven't all... I think, I'm not, I'm not sure he has... Does he have 100% ownership? Does he own the whole club? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got yeah, yeah. the whole Aussie. Um, so he gradually got. I know, I know that there was. I know the car family took a long time to sell. Um, but yeah. So, he's, but the only thing is a is a is a is a backhanded financial scheme. There's nothing in it beyond that. Certainly doesn't give two shits about it. So it is a waste and a real shame. Do you think? Sorry, Pete. Just one one thing, and I, I forgot to make this point. When you talk about, um, you know, why this would be different from when we sold Fabregas and Nasri, for instance. I think part of it, from my perspective, is that I believe that Kroenke always looked at Arsenal as having long-term... Obviously, he's made massive amounts of money in terms of the asset that is Arsenal, but he saw the Premier League as being an underperforming underperforming media platform, service, whatever you want to look at. And there were opportunities to get huge growth in that and therefore, you know quadruple you know far more than that of a multiplier in terms of his wealth with the cancellation of the European Super League which I believe was his end game if you like in terms of putting you can imagine what that would have done to the share price of Arsenal if we had been in there and it had been taken and it floated and we were officially ordained into the top 10 football clubs in the world 
with a he saw his stock price would have gone huge and quite frankly he would have sold at some point i think and taken that money with that being shot down i don't think there's anything else in there for him because he's made loads of money in terms of his assets already he's he's got far more he'll get far more in return when he sells the, if he sold the club today than what he paid for it but i don't think there's going to be that balloon phase or he might not feel that anymore that balloon phase of there's going to be a breakaway league and you're going to make loads more now because he's now seen for the first time that it's not going to be as easy as what he might have previously thought because and, of his experience with his American teams. Yeah, and I think that that's, a, that's the one thing that, that gives me a slight hope that the reason that Florentino Perez has led this Super League thing is because they're basically saying football doesn't make any money anymore. There's nowhere yeah. left to go. And... Maybe we have hit peak football. Maybe there isn't. And, you know, a, a few people have been saying, I think UEFA said it. Um, there were a couple of guys from like um, Sport Intel that said the numbers that they put on the table for TV were just not based in any reality. You can't get that money from elsewhere. So they either got it wrong or somebody was trying to actually buy a league. So do we do we think that there is a possibility that we've reached peak Arsenal and maybe... Two and a half billion, three billion um, in cash could move them. No, Matt, I don't think we've um, reached it because be, I don't think we've reached it because I think that you always think you've reached it and then you never have. Like biggest biggest transfer fee or COVID or change this or and it, and it just keeps on going up and up and up and up and up because the addressable market is basically every single human being on earth. And the cost of doing things keeps going up <laughs> for all those people. So I think it's, you know, I, I don't, and, and, and just because it didn't happen now doesn't mean it won't happen in two years, five years, 10 years in a different format with a different structure organized by different people. So it's, it's just, I think it's a bit like the stock market. I think it's, there's, there's ups and downs, but the reality is if you make an investment now, if you look back in 10 years or 15 years or 20 years, you're going to have made money. And I think I what's surprising this- though that Amazon didn't come in. Amazon's saying, I want no part of it. I know. Even this was the this was the one they could have owned and owned from the get-go in totality. They're like, nah, we want no part of it. Yeah, they weren't doing it for humane reasons. They were doing it they didn't think it's valuing. Uh, it's such that is such a great point. If Amazon turned their nose up at it, uh, you know it, that it they've got more, the best. It ain't what people think. Yeah, yeah uh, Amazon have got 15 people analyzing uh, you know the oh, price of dog sure. food. Um, <laughs> a point of principle was not what that was about. No, so um, I've I've kept you I've kept you all on this for a, for a long time. It's been a great conversation, but um, Johnny did a really good job um, earlier in the week of predicting the future. So maybe the set, you know, the next part of the segment is um, what are, like what what's the what's the next what's the next move? What do we think is going to happen this summer? Like, what's the prediction? Where do, where does this mess go? Is you know. I, so, Look, so I, I'm happy to start because you know I'm remaining undefeated. <laughs> um, yeah, current champ um, when it comes to predictions. So, uh, look, I, I I personally think that um, I'm much more positive when it comes to the potential of a regime change. I, I think that it's. 50-50, whether the Cronkies are in charge. Not They'll be in charge next year, of course. You know, I'm not even talking about that. But by, the, by not this summer coming, but the one after, I think I think we could be talking about a, a, a change of hands at the club, 100%. Um, 
the, the world's volatile now, and I think that um, the fan pressure uh, w- will tell. I think it will tell. And I think this one feels so much more consolidated uh, and um, direct than what it has in previous times. And I also think that that's where, partly because of what's going on in, on field, that's where fans' energies are going into right now because they see that as, as a big reason for what is hindering us and what is holding us back. Um, in terms of on-field stuff, w- w- one of the most interesting dynamics is how on-field uh, matches up with off-field because I think if we win Europa League, <laughs> it actually props up the regime <laughs> because they go, hey, come on, come on, hey, look, two trophies in... You know, they, have the, they have the Arteta... You know that script that I put out for Arteta? Josh Cronkey's going to go, can I just read your notes? And he's going to come out <laughs> the same thing. He's going to go, two trophies, 18 months. You know, what do you want from me? And um, I still think they'll come under pressure. But the fact is, is I'm, I'm not sure we're going to win the Europa League. I don't know if anyone is sure. I don't think you can be. Um, I think we're still underdogs for it. But I think we, can, we should get to the final. Um, but I want to get into that final. I want to be in the Champions League. I want to earn it. And I think we absolutely can. Um, and I think that we, we went for our percentages the other day. I think we've got a, a decent chance, but not, you know, we're not favourites, as I say. But it will, all, I really feel like we're heading into, and I don't want to overplay it, but this is really starting to feel like it is a legacy, uh, and I'm talking about a club legacy defining season and moment for us, not not necessarily season because it might spill into next year, but like this period, this 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 year and a half we've just had and the next year and a half could really spell out our next 25 years. And I, I again, I'm not trying to overplay it. I, do, I just feel that that is the way it, it feels like something big is happening. And I hope that we get on the right side of it. And personally, the only people I trust to get us on the right side of where we need to be are the fans because we have the gut feeling. And so the more the fans get involved, it gives me more confidence for where we're going to end up. Strong words. Um, Matt, Jay? Yeah. Would you, okay, a question for you, though. Would you, would you be happy if this summer they signed no one and said, we're, we're just going to back the young players? We're going to put them in. We're going to give them minutes next year. We're going to build, for the, to your point, the next 10 years. And we sign no one. And we put in all the youngsters. You put in Miguel Aziz and all these kind of characters and back them, knowing we'll have a bad season. Would you, would you do it? Me, personally? Yeah. Absolutely not. No, no, no. I'm not. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I think about it like this. I could die next year. I'm not out here. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not out here trying to piss around yes. looking at Miguel Aziz trying to, you know, find his legs in the Premier League. No, 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 no. You know what I mean? I need some real big-bodied characters who are going to come in here and rough people up. And 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 the simple facts of the matter are, if you were going to give me that scenario, I'd need to know why. That's the reason. Why are we doing this? Like, if there's a manager that I believed in, had a proven record of bringing players through and this is why we were doing it we were forced to in this like in a kind of way that Lampard was when he was forced to play youngsters I might have a bit of time for it but in general absolutely not because at that point I'm coming back to again what Pete doubled down on earlier we've got a billionaire owner listen financial fair plays out the window get your fucking checkbook out now I want to see just absolute raining everywhere make it rain but they don't want to do that because 
They only care about money when it's coming in, not when it's going out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Jay, what do you think is going to happen? Um, I think, I think they will. I, th- I think they are all invested in Arteta. They're always, you know, they, they're always putting out the PR quotes about how hey, I think she's going to be the best manager, you know, since you know, kind of since Ferguson. They love that story. They believe that story. He is under zero jeopardy inside that club. No question about it. You know, because yep. the club, they, they love the fact that they're not paying him much. Like, the players, I think the players do like him. Um, and because he's probably not that hard on them. Um, so I think he stays. I think, I, you know, I just hope, I hope, and I, I say this without hope, but I hope they will clear out five or six players in the summer. Bellerin, Torreira, all the West I talked about. You know, really try and clean house early in July, and and then spend two months doing it properly. Um, they'll do a half job. Um, I think we will be um, seventh or eighth next year. I don't see significant change because there's too much mediocrity and it can't all be changed. Um, a lot of pieces just don't work at the moment. But it's like like all of us, it's the hope that kills you. We're all going to be there. We're all going to hang in and see how it unfolds. Arteta will still be there. Will be a couple of players. I hope Partey will be better next year. I, I'm a big fan. I love the way he plays. Um, so I hope he will come through. I like what he brings to the team. Um, but I don't think we're going to be a transformed team next year because they're going to rely a lot on the young players again. Probably bringing in a couple of other ones. Keep giving them minutes with a, you know, talking about the future thing. The thing that annoys me about fan power, the thing of single biggest change. I'd like if fans are going to have a voice and Arsenal accept they have to have a voice, then they should be able to ask Arteta difficult questions. He never, ever has to answer a difficult question. I'd love someone to say, why are you not fucking playing Martinelli? He never answers. He says, oh, well, it's, it's the right time for the right players. That's bullshit. It's corporate talk. You have no access. You have no access to Arteta to ask him. If fans are going to have a voice, then let you know. Look at the managers in the American sports. They've got to front up all the time with difficult questions. Arteta has a corporate generic response to everything. And it pisses me off. Explain so the decisions. He, he does. He does speak like an American executive. He does what explain your de- explain your weird decisions. Why William for those ten, that ten game stretch yeah. when he was crap? He would never oh, with the right time for the right minutes. No, that means nothing. <laughs> That's just noise. Yeah, I agree. I'd I like agree. him to front up. I'd like him to front up more, and I think he'll stay. Um, so I, I think we'll be in a similar position next year. Matt. Your yeah, predictions I mean, have been bad. You need a good one here, mate. You need a no, I think one. I, I think I agree with everything that both people have said in the both Johnny and Jay. In that, um, it feels like we're at an inflection moment because that's just the way the world works now. It always feels like an inflection moment, but the reality is, our success is going to depend on how well we make thousands of small decisions over the next few months. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think. We're probably based on what we've seen before. We're going to get some of them right, and we're going to get some of them wrong. Hopefully, we'll get more of them right. Um, all we want to see is some progress. Our tests will be here, um, but look, we've just we've just got a, a strong start is essential. And uh, regardless of what happens this season, because we know he's going to be in charge, so let's just. I'm going to ask you a question. Would you keep any of those players that I mentioned? Any of them? Torreira, Willock. Maitland Niles, Enketia, Reese Nelson. Would you keep any of them? Only Saliba. So Saliba for sure. I think think anyone anyone out on loan that's doing well means there's a higher price. Get rid of them. And I think that that's the vision. They they want, like you said at the start of the show, I think they think they can get a hundred million in 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 fee. And I I I actually think that your um, 
your direction there, I think Arsenal need to age down the squad. They need to like get rid of the muck this summer, make no more bad decisions in the transfer market. And I think that uh, Mark Ganella needs to work with Arteta to get a better narrative going into next season. It's young players. We're going to do it the hard way. Um, yep. and we're going to push forward, play exciting football. So, um, right. Yeah, okay. Think- I've kept you all on here for a very long time. Longest podcast of all time. Um, Jay, it's been an absolute pleasure having I you on the it. first show. So fun. Thank you very much. At any time, I'd love to come back. I really yeah, enjoyed it. Thank you for We'd love me. to have you back. Matt, it's always great to have you. Johnny, um, tell us where we can find your uh, podcast with Nigel Winterburn. We've heard about the. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, um, the How's Your Father podcast. I do a podcast. I host a podcast all about um, fatherhood, different aspects of fatherhood. This week's guest is none other than Arsenal legend Nigel Winterburn. Brilliant. Uh, and he's talking about, yeah, being a parent as a professional football player and those kind of pressures as well. But obviously I've got a range of uh, different guests, celebrity guests on as well, um, who talk about, yeah, different aspects of fatherhood. So find it wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> Beautifully said. I'm checking it out now. Awesome. Okay. Um, thank you for joining. You know the drill. Get onto iTunes. Give it a five-star rating. If there is a second iPhone user in your home, get them to give it a five-star rating. It's called AstroTurfing. It's unethical like the Super League, but who cares? We've had a terrible week. So on that note, we'll be back next week with more podcasts. Thank you for listening. Ciao for now. Nice to see you all. Good, guys. on Peacock. It's the girls' trip of a lifetime. Look at this water. We're going to give them something to talk about. Seven iconic housewives from four different cities. Oh my God, a thing right. Vacation at Turks and Caicos. It's the party now. And there's no party like a housewives party. I don't give a f- You're not a girl's girl. Why would you say that? Find out what happens when the forecast brings sunshine and a whole lot of shade. You are so self-absorbed. It's crazy. The Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. All episodes streaming now. Only on Peacock. Sports Social Podcast Network.